Hey, John. Hmm. Hi, Dan. How's everything going in Seattle? Oh, pretty chill. Yeah. I was uh, was clipping my fingernails <laughs> yesterday, and I uh, took my glasses off, which you should never do. And of course, a fingernail like sped away from its tractor beam. Oh no! And bonked off of my eye. Right? It's not. I, it didn't get scratched, but I woke up this morning and. I just felt irritated. Oh, man. And now I'm irritated at my eye and at that fingernail and at myself. It all comes down to being irritated at yourself. I never take my glasses off to cut my yeah, well, fingernails. What, what was the, I doing? Any, you need eye protection at all times if of you're clipping course. your fingernails. Of course. That's the advantage of wearing glasses. You never have to worry about that stuff anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Small yes. matter. Small yes. matter compared to the 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 other things. How's it going down there? It is going pretty good here in uh, in Texas. There's, you know, we don't have a lot of cases of the coronavirus as compared to um, the other areas of the country. Sure, uh, sure. Relatively Cow- speaking, cowboys are cowboys are are immune to a lot of infectious disease. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, you know, you have four hundred kinds of olives at your PCC there. So, yeah, right. Or- um, yeah, that that'll protect you. It. I was just reading an article about how well HEB is prepared, and we we continue to have food coming in. Uh, you know, and and things are well stocked because HEB apparently. Okay, for people who don't know, HEB is the the big big grocery store here in town. Heb Heb, but we call it HEB, mm-hmm. and and not not Heb and not Heb. Which I don't take offense to because it's just a mispronunciation. Uh, but, you know, we have this wonderful grocery store here that's wonderful by any anyone's definition of wonderful. This is wonderful. But it's even more wonderful because of, back in like January is when they started to kind of prepare for all of this. They saw what was going on in China and they reacted to it by already starting the plan so that by the time it came here, they were already ready. And, you know, you might have to go out of your way to get some of the supplies that you want, like toilet paper or paper towels. But if you go, if you, if you can find it within your ability to get there at eight, eight thirty nine in the morning, you can get pretty much anything that you need. And the lines are generally not long and they're very organized and, you know, it, it's, it's, pretty cool that they've managed to do this because I know everywhere else or most other places, people are just like not able to get anything and they were able to do it because they, they nailed it all down, but it all really is because they started so early because right away they looked at it and said, we've got to do something early now in, you know, in January and now March, end of March, it makes a big difference. Right. But, um, you know, it, it's, they just issued here in, in Austin, uh, was it Monday? I think they, they issued the, um, I guess they're calling it shelter in place, which is, you know, they don't want you to go. They don't want you to sure. go anywhere. And it sure. seems like it's targeted more toward businesses 
then mm. I mean, it's certainly individuals are are being told not to go anywhere too. But I think but businesses that, should definitely not go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I think it really came down to there were a lot of small businesses and things like that that were still open and people were still doing stuff. And I think it's like if you take those things away, then the regular people have no reason to go anywhere. But at least not yet. It's not it, they're not policing it the way that I've heard that LA is policing it. Like I've heard that people in LA are, are like, if you try to drive somewhere that the police might stop you. Sorry. Oh, the, the, come the, on. The, the pigs would stop you. No, and, uh, that's what I'm told to call. <laughs> and, uh, and that they were, that I, I saw on Twitter that somebody said that their friend got stopped and had to pay a $400 mm. fine oh, because he was friend, going to yeah. see his girlfriend. Yeah. Their friend got stopped. Yeah. But I think, you know, I no. think it's, it's weird that, that people are, we're still like socializing and, and going out and doing stuff when they're, everyone's literally begging them, forget what's legal. Everyone's literally begging them, please don't. And they're like, well, just gotta, like, I gotta, I'm not gonna not see my friends. Like there's beer there. Yeah. People like to make exceptions for themselves. I mean, I'm certainly not, not immune to accepting myself from certain rules and regulations like stoplights in the middle of the night yeah, in, so a, in, the, in the warehouse part of town. And you know, right. like that, that generally you feel like you can care for yourself and manage yourself. And so there are a lot of people that are like, man, that doesn't quite apply to me. But as you, as you just said, if you are paying attention at all, every possible argument has been, has been covered by people like, like, right, you're not going to get sick. That's not what we're worried about. We're worried that you're going to carry it to somebody else. Like, listen carefully. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down your list of reasons why you should be exempt, and I'm going to cover them all. And in the end, you're going to have to conclude that you have to stay home. Mm-hmm. But then, Dan, we are on the internet. And, and we me. are watching. Yes. Yes. Even now. And we are watching <laughs> what people are talking about on the internet, maybe to a fault, my phone sent me a message that was like, you've been using your phone a lot. Oh, fuck <laughs> your you, phone, phone. Your phone was trying to protect you, and now it's just humiliating you. Yeah, the phone was like, God, dude, compared to last week, get off the phone. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know, but I just, well, come on, there's stuff to talk about. So, I, you know, you have to, I think all the time about the number of people that I went to high school with that if you search their name, you find nothing. Yes, I, like, I, I'm so glad you brought this up. What do you, What is the reason for that? I really think, um, at least in my case, I graduated from high school in 1986. Now, there was definitely a computer lab mm-hmm. in my junior high. And the computer lab was a windowless room next to the library that had formerly been a, like a paper storage. It's a closet. Right. And they, and they continued to use it as storage. They pushed a, a couple of shelves out of the way and put, I guess, four tables and it had four Apple two E's <laughs> and yeah. there were people, you know, there were kids that had to get checked out on the computer. You had to pass some kind of, proof that you knew how to, I don't know what, turn it on or something. And then there were kids in there playing, um, you know, Oregon trail or whatever, whatever was on the Apple II, And presumably that was it. You have it. 
pr- presumably programming, and I would go in and sit and watch kids do computers, which is something I've always done. I was going to say, you still I've kind always, of do that. Yeah, I've always gotten a lot more pleasure out of watching kids do computers than I ever did doing computers myself. And then in high school, there was an actual computer lab, which was... Like, my high school was one of those mid-century, one-story, flat, sprawling, flat-roofed buildings that was shaped like a donut. And so you could, you know, you walk in this giant circle around this. I mean, my high school had 2,600 students or something. Pretty big school. Maybe maybe more. And then in the center of the donut was there was the library was in there i'm talking about in the hole there was the teacher's lounge there was was kind of a whatever student lounge there was the the school theater was in there in the middle and i think i was a junior before i realized that there was a staircase that went up to a second level and i had no i was like a second level Like the school has no (laughs) place where that could be, but it was up in a kind of attic room that I guess was next to, because the theater of course is twice as tall. It was next to that space. And I went up there and there were like tables and computers, computers everywhere. (laughs) And there were kids up there doing computers. And I went running out of there like, Oh no. I never want to go in there again. There were a bunch of kids in there doing computers. Ugh, barf. <laughs> Not I, your scene I, at the at the time, anyway. No, I stayed as far away from it as I could, and I had a computer. I had an IBM PC that had sixty four k and two disk drives. But I didn't want to be doing computers. I used it as a word processor. You know, and that's the difference is there's a lot of people who did back then and still do kind of see a computer. And I like this. And this is the life that I dream for myself is a life where the way I use a computer is as a tool when I need to use it the same way that you and regular people would use a hammer. You don't just go to your hammer and sit down in front of it and say, all right, let's go do something today. And you kind of walk around with your hammer and like you expect the hammer to, to deliver the tasks for you to do. Like oh, I saw there were some nails over there as I was walking. So I just hammered them in. I mean, you, you use it when you need to do something. Whereas a lot of us like me, I spend a lot of the day on the computer and it like, it's not just the tool that I use to do the thing like a hammer. It's, it's everything. It's the way sure, I it's read the- and enter- get entertainment and news and there. And it's like, you just, that's, if I had a hammer that did that, I would throw it away. I would say, I don't want something like that in my house. It's going to dominate all if, my time. If you had a hammer like that, you'd hammer on the mountain, Dan. <laughs> I, would, I sure would. Yeah, because, you know, with a hammer, every problem <laughs> looks like a nail. That's right. Yeah, the thing is, I a computer has always, until very recently, until, I don't know, uh, until smartphones, right? I guess that's, Ken, Ken said that to me the other day. He was like, smartphones is what made the internet so terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. But but no, I used it as a typewriter, and and I considered myself like Mister Computer when I went to when I went to college. I took my PC, which 
my mom bought in 19, because my mom was a computer person, right? Yeah, so she course. bought that PC in 81, I guess, fall of 81, or fall of 82, fall of 82. She bought, whenever it first came out, the PC was brand new and everybody was very excited about it. And she bought one. I took it to college with me when I went in 1987 and it still felt like I have a computer. You know, my roommate didn't have a computer. Uh, none of the kids on the floor of my dorm had the had a computer except one guy who was a total. He he wasn't like a he wasn't like a Revenge of the Nerds nerd. He was like he was strong and fit and like you know. A, but but kind of one of those you know the you know fit nerds. Fit. Like there there are plenty of there there was a kind of nerd who was like really strong and worked out and did you know like through the javelin or whatever, you know, like a fit nerd. And he had a computer that had a color oh, monitor. Oh, man. And whatever, and I, he would sit and talk to me about his computer. And the thing is, he wasn't like blah, 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 blah nerd. He was like funny and, and charming and, you know, and handsome. It was just like, he was a, he was a nerd, right? But, and he was going to, he got good grades and he was going to go, get a good job somewhere and be married and live happily ever after. Like he was the, I don't know. He was like, I don't like King nerd or something. I, you know what I'm talking about, For right? Sure, there were, course. there were the ones that were like, but they were still, I don't know what it was that made him a nerd. It was, well, he threw the javelin and he played Dungeons and Dragons and he wanted to be a helicopter pilot. You know, it's that type of thing. Yeah. He had a computer with a color monitor and I'm sure that it had, Powers, because he, I would sit in his room and he would do things on his computer, and it was like your computer can do things; it has powers. And he was like, "Yeah, well, here, let me just show you this." I was like, "Whoa, how does that? First of all, how does it have color? But second of all, what that has? I mean, it could, couldn't like show show you a picture, but I don't know. He animated a little orb or something. But I had a computer, and that put me in the ranks of." I don't, I don't know the, you know, like the heavy hitters, man. I had a five, six year old IBM PC with 64 K and two disc drives. And that computer continued to be, continued to work and be impressive even until 1992 when I got a, a Mac Classic. Hang on, Dan. I said the word computer, and now... So something's playing sweet music in the background. Yeah, and it's Alexa or whatever who decided that I was asking for some Stan Getz or whatever the hell that <laughs> is It's very happening. nice. It's a very pretty <laughs> song. <laughs> Fucking computer. Computer, <laughs> stop! Unbelievable. You can't say the word computer in this house without well, you can change that anyway. Well, you can only change it to three things and two of those things, the neighborhood kids know about. So they come into the house and immediately one of them will be like, Alexa, play old town road. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, like that stop happen. it. No, do not, do not say that in this house. Do not come in and start saying things to our, our, uh, our machines. Yeah. And the kids are like, mm. and then, you know, they'll run off and then pretty soon old town road is playing somewhere. And I'm like, what is happening? 
So I had to change it to the C word just to protect myself. What I want to do is call it Baby Yoda or whatever, but they won't let you. No, they don't let you customize it fully. Oh, it's so bad. Anyway, why. so why this, don't they? What's the thinking? Because it's it's so hard for it to recognize a, a wake word once you program it. I can't be. No, because because they don't want a hundred thousand people in the country to call Amazon. Hey, fuckface. Well, who cares you know, what you call is, it? It should be my prerogative. What if I get a dog or a cat? I can call a cat whatever I want. There's no cat police coming in saying, "Well, don't call it dummy." I think it's that Amazon wants that. They're, well, you know, they're super precious, like all companies in this internet economy they think they're great and they don't want to be mocked and i think if we could change the name to anything <clears throat> we would all be mocking them all the time right people would be like hey jeff bezos sucks uh, you know order me some paper towels or whatever you know like we all have this complicated relationship with amazon and so we would try and take it out on them in this completely ineffectual way by calling our alexas you know like poop pants or whatever right. and then amazon would be embarrassed and they would feel it they would feel like we were teasing them and they meh. so they insist that we can only we can only use three words i don't know i don't really have a dog in that race i just don't want the kids playing old town road and i want to be able to say the c word in this room without it starting to play the charlie brown theme yeah Anyway, all of this is a long, long way of saying, Dan, that I don't think people my age embraced computers except for a very small, a, a very small subgroup of us. And I think by the time you're 25, if you didn't ever have a computer, like everyone in my dorm didn't, then you needed to... You needed to have a reason to to find a computer. It's like after you're 25, it's not like you're writing reports. You know, you're not you're not doing right. book reports anymore. Right. And so, you know, I think a lot of those people probably got uh, the an early iMac or something, maybe because it was all the rage. Or at some point, there was it felt like I need to get a computer, I guess. Or maybe they had a kid and they got them a computer. And then they started to hear about Facebook from their friends and they were like, oh yeah, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm super busy with, with other things. I just, I'm astonished. There, there are, there are 15 people that it's not just 15 randos. I mean, about 15 people that I would like to get in touch with. And I look for them using my highly developed search engine manipulation skills and i cannot find any sign of them not even like not even where whitepages.com has scraped their data <laughs> right and i don't think they all are dead so how, how how dan how can you be 50 years old in our world today and have zero internet presence you know, it's puzzling to me, but I have wondered the exact same thing. And I have gone, I don't, I do not have a Facebook account, but I have executed Google searches and LinkedIn searches and other places. And many of the times it does come up with a Facebook as the result or Facebook account as the result. But generally speaking, generally speaking. I cannot find anything about anybody that I went to high school or even college with. And this is the weird thing is 
a lot of these people I know work in fields where they're using a computer. So for example, a friend of mine, uh, he became a stockbroker and then he went into some kind of brokerage training or something like that. So he, maybe he trains new stockbrokers or something relating to that. And he, mm-hmm. he teaches classes, he travels around, he's doing, and he's on, I know fat for a fact, he's on the computer all the time. And there is, there's literally no trace of him and it's not intentional. He just, just, just nothing out there. It's not like he's avoided it. It's just, there's nothing there. And I, the case is true for the people that I still have kept in touch with whenever I talk to them, like, Oh, you know, I can't find you on the internet. I I know a guy who is a, he, he, he was an, an IT guy. He supported data centers and networks. And then he went on to go into what we call sales engineering, where he's like the, the engineer that is kind of compatible with human beings. So he gets to go to sales meetings and help the sales guys sell stuff. And he did that for years. And now he's like a C-level dude at some company. There's nothing you search him. There's one picture of him from like his LinkedIn profile from years ago. And that's it. And these, and it's fine. Like I don't have a problem with it, but it just seems so weird to me because the space that I live in is all computers and everybody that I generally interact with on a daily basis is active in those spaces. And when I talk to the people who I still know about it and ask them why they're like, oh, it never occurred to me to do anything. I don't really post anything. Yeah. Right. And it's it, right. like, I like it, but that's the only aspect of their life that they're, they are that way. Like, it's not right. like they're off living off the grid. It's not like they're intentionally trying to avoid this or trying to get out of the way of doing it or trying to take themselves out of the public eye or something. It, they're not. They're just. Right. They just don't spend any time in this space at all. So it's inconceivable to us, which says I think a lot about us. But I I noticed this. So you're how much younger than me? You're three, forty three years. Four years. You're fifty, right? I'm forty seven. Yeah. Been going on. Oh no. So so I'm I'm four years older than you, Dan. I'm fifty one. Oh my god. Well, but not for long. I'm I'm catching up. A few more months. Right. Right. You well, would have but been, I, you would have been a, you graduated. What year did you say you graduated in? 86. 86. So I graduated in 90. So we might've overlapped by a little bit. Yeah. Well, let's see. 86. Uh, well, would you have been a freshman in 83 or 82? I was a freshman in, see, this is complicated math now. 82, 83. Yeah, is that somewhere or, in there? Or, or, or I tried to block out that whole time period. But see, I don't forget, I started early. I started school yeah. a year earlier because my birthday's in October. Right. Uh, and my mom yeah, so did was, I. It was sick and tired. But that's not, relevant. that's not relevant to this question, nah, which is when did you start junior high or when did you start freshman year? Anyway, if you were 90, like 86, 87, 89. No, I think you would have been an eighth grader. When you were a senior? No, 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 no way. You would have been a freshman. You would have been a freshman. I thought so. Uh. I found when I look at the at my high school reunion um, Facebook pages that the kids that are that were freshmen when I was a senior have a lot more uh, buy-in on their reunion pages than my class does, right? Like like we were only able to get in touch with a 
with a kind of small fraction of, and when I say we, I, I had nothing to do with it. But when you look at the number of 86 graduating seniors who are participating in the online world that, that some of the students put together as part of the reunions, uh, it's a much smaller group than class of 90, right? Or, or beyond. So I do think that there was a, somewhere between you and me, there was a, a tipping point where normals and snorks started to <laughs> be exposed to computers, not because they were interested in them and pursued them, but because they started to become part of the curriculum or part of just the part of the world. Right. And it, and it probably came through gamers because there were a lot of kids that played video games that didn't have computers and at the point at which computers and video games started to collide and become a single platform, right? that's probably when kids started to have exposure to computers. And also, of course, you know, they were in color now or they could do things. They were interesting in a way that, you know, a green, I should say that my IBM PC, we had an orange monitor. Because my mom had spent decades looking at green monitors. Right. And she, and there was this new technology, this like really, really far out space age technology where we were using orange monitors because it didn't fatigue the eye so badly. So we had an orange monitor, which just doubled the amount of cool tech that my PC had over, you know, over almost any other computer I would encounter. My friend Kevin, his dad was a doctor, and he was one of those like middle-aged guys that was a technology adopter. Yeah. They had a Compaq, and a Compaq, the original one, that folded up into a briefcase. Did you ever see that computer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I you had, remember uh, that? You remember? We did not own one, but I had a friend who had one, and I used it every chance I could get, and I absolutely loved it. The one where the keyboard was a was the lid. Yeah. So, so for people who weren't around to see this, imagine a, a large rectangular metal box, and there were little buttons on the left and the right side on the one side of the box, and you would press them, and it would eject the keyboard, which had become, like you said, the lid that was right. that that then had one of those um I don't know what they call those cables but it's like the old style phone cables that were curled you know the curly q cables <laughs> it had one of those to the keyboard and you would so the top of the box the thinnest part of the box was the keyboard and inside of that there was the little tiny screen which was probably a 6 inch screen diagonally and right. and then next to it were the disk drives and uh, and that's where you would insert your your floppy disk. And it was so heavy, this thing. It was oh, like forget it. <laughs> really not not like a super portable thing, but it seemed so far out that you could that it had that tiny screen and that you could carry it with you and like he could take it to work and then bring it home. So Kevin's dad kept buying new computers. They always had something interesting over there. But um but, you know, and I guess Kevin ended up in the long run, you know, my friend Kevin, like, got a master's degree in conflict resolution and worked 
at all these different things he wanted to be. And he got caught in that again, tractor beam of like, well, you know, I'm, I want to, I want to do all this, you know, kind of fascinating work with people and work of the mind. But in the meantime, I'm going to do tech support for Nordstrom in order to like pay the rent. And pretty soon that tech support job became an IT job Pretty soon that IT job became a programming job, right. and now he's a computer programmer. There you go. Now that's how that's how it starts. The first one's free. Yep. Yeah, that's right. You get into like, I'm just going to do, you know, the, they don't know how to set up their computers, and so I'm going to go in and set them up. This happened to a lot of people I know. Sorry, I don't know that one. Oh, I said no <laughs> Anyway. I still don't know how to use computers, Dan. I still prefer to sit and watch kids do computers than to do them myself. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, you know, every once in a while I'll sit here at, at this thing, wh- which I sit at and use all the time. And I realize, like, <clears throat> I, do f- I do four or five things on it. Like, this computer has so much power, so many, so many skills and talents and could do so much, you know, I could be making movies on it. I could be, I could use this whole suite of, of, uh, you know, this, this palette and all these paint brushes and all these computer, all these, uh, what am I trying to say? Recording technologies mm-hmm. and publishing technologies. And what I do is I, I look at Wikipedia and then I go and do my little, ring around the rosy of go to Facebook, see the comments, go to Twitter, see the comments, go to bring a trailer and look at some cars, go back to Facebook and see the comments, go back to Twitter and see the comments. And I just sort of, I just like a dog that doesn't really want to catch its tail. I just kind of like languidly chase sort of quote in quotes uh-huh. sl- the slow chase of my tail around and around have you ever done the thing where you're looking at something on the internet that you go to all the time and you're like god i gotta stop doing this and you put your you, you close it shut it down and then like by reflex you pick it up and go back to the same thing thinking in your mind that you're doing something different i'm not going to do this anymore and then you go immediately back to where you were it happens to me with Twitter all the time. I'll be on Twitter and I'll be like, God, this is garbage. I, I have to get off of here. And I'll close it down, put the phone down, and then immediately pick it up and go to Twitter. And it's like, whoa, it's it's harder than quitting smoking. You know, with with like you sit and smoke all the time. And yeah. then at one point you're like, ugh, I just feel terrible. You put your cigarette out. And then you go, you reach and you reach for a cigarette because your mind is just like it's in a rut. It's in this weird rut cycle. And because I don't go to very many things, because I don't have 25 bookmarks, I just kind of have four. Like when I'm done with something, I don't have anywhere else to go. I can go play threes. I can go, you know, I don't use this stuff is the thing, but I'm on it all the time. And that I think is the frustrating thing. I'm not using it to its potential. And so, what is it? What does it become? It's just, um, it's like a, it's like a trunk call. I, I pick up my party line out on my farm and there's only three other people that I can talk to. And they're all 
other farmers. And so why do I have a phone at all? <laughs> right. What do you even need it for? What do I need it for? I don't. But there it is. We would like to say thank you very much to Brooke Linen. You know what? These are the best sheets I've ever used. These are the most amazing sheets that I've ever used, that I've ever had. I only use these now. We have other sets of sheets. They sit in the closet. I never use them. I don't care about them. Let me be honest. They disgust me now. Even though some of them are brand new, some of them never even been used. They're filthy and disgusting. I can't use them because of Brooklyn. And, and this might happen to you. We need a Brooklyn and support group for people who have gotten the Brooklyn and sheets and no longer will use any other sheets. People think that I'm crazy because this is all used now. That's how good they are. You think I'm joking. How dare you? You should see. I'm not kidding. This is all I will have on my bed. This is it. It's the truth. I'm speaking truth to you. So let me tell you why I like the Brooklyn and sheets so much. First of all, they're incredibly comfortable. Second of all, they make it easy to put the sheets on the bed because you think that this is easy to do. You have no idea. It gets so much easier with Brooklyn. And why? Because they have a little label on the inside and the underside of the sheet and the bottom sheet that, that it tells you which side is the long side and which side is the short. Have you ever tried to fit the long side on the short side and then it's like overlapping? Like, why is there so much extra? Or try to try to get the short side to fit the long side? I have to tell, I'm here to tell you it doesn't work. You can't do it. It does not work. They make it so you don't run into that problem at all. But they don't just make sheets. I've been told that they have a lot of other lifestyle items as well. They do things like uh, loungewear now so that you can be comfortable lounging in your sheets. See, it all goes together. They do towels so that when you get out of the shower, before you get into your sheets, you can be dry. No one wants to lay down in bed soaking wet. Now they have towels. I no longer have to get into bed soaking wet. This is a big thing for me because ever since I got the Brooklyn and sheets, I would have to be clean getting into the sheets. This was a problem because the only way to truly be clean is to take a shower and be soaking wet because no towel could match the cleanliness of the Brooklyn and sheets until now. So now they have towels. This is the thing. You need to go and you need to get some of these sheets right now. I'm serious. This is not even a joke. I love this stuff. It's easy to go on the site and buy stuff. It was started by a husband and wife back in 2014. They wanted to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. They made it their mission to make me personally, and I guess you, comfortable. They were the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work right with manufacturers and directly with us, the customer. There's no middlemen. This is luxury products without the luxury markup. And like I said, they do super plush, ultralight towels. They do shower curtains. They do bath mats. They do robes. They've even got candles. You a candle person? Get some of these candles, I'm telling you. They smell amazing. You light one. You look at the candle. Right away, you've, you, you fall asleep. You get tired looking at a candle. This is a fact because we're like still cavemen inside. Cave people. Sorry, it's 2020. So go check. Oh, and don't forget to blow the candle out before you lay in the sheets. You don't want to fire. I'm not saying the candles start fires. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you don't want a flame going when you're sleeping. Just keep that in mind. This is my advice to you. Brooke Linen is spelled B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N. Brooklinen.com. 
The promo code you want to use is ROADWORK, one word. This will give you 10% off your first order and free shipping. I'm going to say that one more time. Brooklinen.com. Promo code is ROADWORK, 10% off your first order and free shipping. It's time you got comfortable. And uh, you know what? Their sheets, their comforters, their loungewear, their towels come with a lifetime warranty. You can't beat that. And they also have a store for people who are in Brooklyn at 127 Kent Avenue in Williamsburg. I don't know what that means, but you do if you live in Brooklyn. So go check them out there in the store or look at them online, brooklinen.com, promo code roadwork. Thank you very much to them for making this show possible. Well, here we are in <clears throat> in the middle of our sequester. Uh-huh. I'm doing I'm doing a I'm doing some homeschooling, but I'm also counting on her to have initiative. See, I like this time period because I, I, I trust that my kids can school themselves. And my involvement well, that's right. with their education is, uh, you know, min, as minimal as possible right now. I want them to teach. I want them to teach themselves what they need. Yeah. Well, what you should do is like not feed them for a few days <laughs> and then put some food behind a series of puzzles. Right. And then it's like, the food's in there. You just have to solve basically an escape room. And then you get, then you get food. Right. That'll teach them. That's how I learned. Yeah, my kids are both, because they're in a private school, they're expected to continue learning. So they're doing like, learn, like e- e-learning and uh, they get their assignments in the morning and they're expected to do them in the afternoon and then they're supposed to turn them in at eight in the morning. Well, my son is, my daughter is in third grade like yours. And so for her, it's more of like fun stuff. It's Mm -hmm. more like, Oh, we made like a, we watched a video from the teacher and then we read a thing and drew pictures and, and, uh, and my son actually has assignments to do and has to, he has to turn them in all digitally Whereas the other kids that are just in the regular Austin schools, the public schools, they don't have to do anything. Right. And I thought the private oh, schools were to supposed to be more no. lackadaisical about it. No, they're going to have to do something when they put when they go on their college entrance exams <laughs> in whatever twelve years. The colleges are going to be like, "Did you do that year?" Mm-hmm. And the kids are going to have to write an essay. And if they say, sat around and played video games, they're not going to get into college because that's going to be the dawn of a new era where they don't let everybody into college. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm convinced. I'm, I'm convinced there's going to be a reordering. It's all going to get reordered. Some in ways that we are hoping, some in ways that we're not, some in ways we can't even imagine. The reordering, Dan. Mm-hmm. It's just basically going to be do you ever do the thing where you look at a cupboard or that you probably don't because of your minimalism? Yeah. But I, I think that, you know, there are times when I, I look at a cupboard and you know, it, it had a, it had an organization initially and then stuff kept going in there and then it got reorganized at some point and then stuff kept going in there and it had to get kind of organized to, to accommodate the stuff that was arriving still and then eventually you open the cupboard and you're like, I can't find anything in here. <laughs> it, it happens in the refrigerator sometimes, right? Yeah. Where it's like, okay, the refrigerator has gone crazy. 
And for me, I am not somebody that can go into a tangle like that and straighten it out from within. I'm somebody that takes everything you out no, you of the refrigerator. You have to take everything out. You got to take it all out and everything. start from scratch. Start from scratch. You I put it on the John, kitchen floor. That, that you're one of these people who are also very good at loading a vehicle when you're going on a on a trip with a lot of stuff. Got to be. You learn that in a at, when you're in a band. Yeah, you know, it's all got to get in there because when you're loading a, a bunch of equipment in the back of your van, you're also conscious of the fact that a not insignificant number of rock musicians have died when their vans rolled. Really. And so you're, you're putting your stuff in the van. Well, tell me more about that. I, I didn't know that was a, a, like a known thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, bands get into accidents. Isn't that how the big bopper and, died in a van? No, he fell out of the sky in an airplane. Yeah, but, you know, that's how Cliff Burton of uh, Metallica died. He was, really? in the, um, he was in a tour bus. They were playing poker, and, uh, and Cliff won the... Won the round, won, you know, won the game, I guess, and and the prize was he got the best bunk in the bus, and then the bus went off the road and crashed, oh, and no. Cliff died, and so his last poker hand is one of those like dead man's hands, where you're not supposed to, I don't know what it was, a king and an ace or something. Is there like a, a list of dead man hands that you can't play? I bet there is. I bet there's a list of dead man hands. Like, you know, a lot of that stuff started in the old West where a guy would get shot and the hand that he had in his hand would be the, the dead man's hand. Cause he was, he got shot at the poker table, but the cliff Burton dead man's hand, it's a real thing. Now, how do you, how do you pluralize that? Because I know there's a dead, dead man's hand, but is it dead man's hands or dead man hands? I think it's dead men's hands, dead men's hands, dead men's hands, dead men's hands. But like when the long winters were on tour, kind of in the middle of our uh, run, uh, a Portland band by the name of the Exploding Hearts rolled their van on the highway outside of Eugene. And we had played Eugene that night and were asleep in our hotel room out by the highway in Eugene. And they, you know, in the middle of the night, only a couple of miles from where we were rolled their van and three of them died. Um, and we, you know, we woke up the next morning we, uh, we all had flip phones, of course. And there were all these texts and phone calls from people because the, the initial news was just like indie rock band in single van crash in Eugene. Oh, and, and so all, maybe lot, it was, it was you. Yeah, well, you know, there how many indie rock bands can be in Eugene at any given moment? And they weren't playing in Eugene. They were they were a Portland band and they had played in San Francisco and had done the thing that we all did, which was, oh man, it's 1 a.m. We could go find a hotel in Sacramento. We could drive as far as Shasta. Yeah, why don't we just drive up to Shasta? We'll get a hotel up there and then you're on the road everybody goes to sleep the driver's driving listening to the radio you get to shasta and you think ah, i'll just press on you know like from shasta to portland it's a doable drive you know you can leave san francisco at 1 a.m and get home right get home by lunch and you're young and why the fuck not 
you know, just party on. I'll just, I'll wake one of you guys halfway and then you can take over. And so you do, you wake somebody up at Shasta and you're like, you drive for a while. But the thing is that right there at Shasta, you are entering into one of the hairiest drives, one of the hairiest interstate drives in America. You know, there are a dozen places in America where the interstate qualifies as an interstate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got, it's got four lanes, two on either side or, or even, you know, even more, but it's going across a terrain that does not make it, you know, the, the, it's not like a, like a safe, happy road. It's a crazy mountain pass. You just happen to be on kind of a, a wide road and that road, Northern California going into Oregon, it has a couple of different passes and it gets hit with insane weather. But even when it's not insane, which it often is, the road itself is just insane. I mean, it, it's made by the the Corps of Engineers or whatever, they'll have the freeway people. So it's got big sweeping turns, mm-hmm. but, but it's, <clears throat> you know, you go off one side and you fall forever. The turns are like coming through these crazy switchbacks and, you know, the I-90 coming through, um, I-90 coming through the sort of Montana, Idaho, um, that, that is a, that's an insane corridor, you know, like the, there's this highway in West Virginia that's, or, you know, like coming out of Tennessee into West Virginia or is it Kentucky, one of those interstates, just bananas, like bananas, you know, like what are we doing here? Anyway, this road between San Francisco and Portland or Seattle, we all know it. We've done it a thousand times and you get confident that you can just do it in your sleep, but it's very technical driving. And that's when it's dry and light out. Right. But as soon as it's dark and as soon as the weather gets at all inclement, um, Anyway, so I've seen it happen. It's happened to me. You get there to Northern California, you're like, I'm just going to press on. And what's what's kind of crazy is it's a really, really hairy drive all the way to this town in Oregon called Cottage Grove. And it lasts a lot longer than you think. You know, you think like, oh, it's just this pass where you go over. And, it, and it's harder than you think, even if you've done it a hundred times. Yeah. Because you're like, yeah, well, you know, you just kind of go over the top and then you're in Oregon and you kind of, you know, you go zip, zipping through a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, and then you're in Roseburg or whatever. And you think to yourself like, oh, Roseburg's a big town and I'm done. Right. Or, or frankly, you get to Medford and you think, oh, I'm in Medford. Like it's a big town. But then from Medford to Cottage Grove, it's a whole other hairball set of this road. Right. Anyway, you get to Cottage Grove, which, which by the way, is where they filmed Animal House. Oh, okay. Or one of the places they filmed Animal House. And all of a sudden, you're down. You're out of the mountains. It's flat. The road gets nice and wide. You can see for 50 miles in every direction and the freeway is really it's done in that like that grade that they put on the freeway 
in the plains states where the freeway itself is. It just feels like uh, the corridor is like a quarter of a mile wide. And it's just, it's graded in this giant kind of sort of proud hump where the, where the whole thing is kind of a mound, a giant, like shallow mound. And you get down and you're like, Oh, and you don't realize how tense your muscles were. You don't (laughs) realize that you'd been gripping the steering wheel with white knuckles. Your shoulders were hunched, you know, you were in this, you were in this kind of combat drive and you get there and you're like, Oh, I made it. I made it. I'm there. And, and now it's like chill all the way home. But this is the, this is the devil's moment in this drive because it's still two hours to Portland. Oh man! And if you've been driving all night and you were so clenched and then you let it, you let that relaxation and you look out at this road that just goes straight basically for an hour and a half straight and flat and you your your body relaxes and you fucking nod off has that happened to you have you ever had that happen a lot and for whatever reason you're young and you're on tour you have somewhere to be right you're not it's, you're not just like, oh, let's pull over and, and spend the night and go to the, you know, go to the cave of the 10 bears. It's like, we have to be there for load in and it's eight hours from here and we got to do that drive sometime and I'm still awake. So let's do it. But then you start to nod and you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's the middle of the night. You don't see a hotel coming. You know, I have bipolar disorder. So at, un, back then I was like, I would drive right past a motel and be like, I don't like that motel. There's a better motel somewhere in the distance, (laughs) but everybody else in the band is asleep. Right. You know, they're all crashed and I'm all alone. They're just like, come on. Like I'm going to find the great hotel. Just, just in, in mind war with myself. And then you start to like, you catch yourself like, and you're going 80 miles an hour in the dark. And that's not a time to be like, not nodding. And you, you roll the window down, you put some aggressive music on, (laughs) you pin, you pinch yourself, you know, you punch yourself. There's all these things you try to do to, to snap back. Right. Because if, because if I pulled off to the side of the road and you said, you have to hunt a saber toothed tiger right now, I would wake back up. Right. I mean, the, the sleepiness is the kind of hypnotizing that happens when you're just seeing the highway coming at you for hours and hours and you're tired, you're obviously tired, but anyway, Eugene is just right past cottage Grove. It's, it's the next thing. And I really feel like, because we went, we, we had to go, we were on tour and we went down and did our tour and then when we came back through Oregon, I called the Oregon patrol, state patrol, and said, can you tell us the mile marker where that crash happened? And they gave us the mile marker. And so we got to the spot. And 
it it was ten days later or something. We'd done a short kind of West Coast tour, mm-hmm. but there was no sign of it. You know, they had erased any sign of of a crash and it regraded the the gravel and so forth. But we knew where it was, and there was absolutely no reason to have gone off the road except that you nodded. You nodded off. Your van just gradually went over into the into the soft. And then you heard the, you know, oh, you felt God. the steering wheel wiggle, jolted awake and, and jolted the, you know, jerk to the wheel. And if you jerk to the wheel to get back on the road and the van either, you know, started to slide or did that like the, the crazy, you know, like carving wobble or whatever as a van is trying to get straightened out. And it just rolled. And the guys in the back were asleep. And because they were asleep, lying out, they weren't belted in. And they just got thrown out of the van in every direction. And, you know, there's amps and guitars and stuff right, lying around. Yeah, that's got to hurt. Um, and so, yeah. The, I mean, and they were, they were a great young band. And they just were all died. So sad. It was terrible, but 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 long before the exploding hearts crashed, we you know bands like tell one another the legends of of, of somebody or whatever. and so when you're packing your gear, and when you're building out a van, if you're putting your bunk in there, if you're if you've got stuff in the van, you're always thinking somewhere in the back of your head. If, if the van turned over, would this become a projectile? Right. Like if we, if we rear ended a semi or if a semi rear ended us, would this thing suddenly become a fatal missile? And you know, you, there's only so much you can do, right? I mean, there, there's a bunch of shit in that van and if it rolls over, it's not, it doesn't have an internal steel cage and we're not all in four point harnesses. Right. You're, you're relying so lot, on gravity to hold everything in place. Yeah. And a lot of it is just mystical thinking. You know, you just are thinking, Oh, well, you know, we're safe because I wedged that box of t-shirts in between that, you know, kick drum pedal and the bass amp. But it's just, you just are using magic. None of it is really going to save you. But I, uh, I do have that, that Jenga or Tetris skill set kind of honed by, by all that work. And eventually I traded with Eric Corson, who is a real, you know, he's like, he was Mr. Math and science in our band. And he became like the load master. And so what you would do is just bring your stuff out and set it down at, you know, we would, the, the trade was we would load out, which is the worst part, you know, pick up your amp and carry it off the stage through the club, out the alley door and deliver it to the back of the van. And then Eric would stand there as load master 
and he would fit everything together in this kind of um, this like super Jenga, right? <laughs> he was pretty genius at it. That's all by way of saying, Dan, that I like to organize the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And you can take it all and put it all on the floor. And I think that's what's going to happen in society. Mm-hmm. How so? I think, I think what's happening right now, what we're about to see is that we are going to take everything out of the refrigerator of society. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're going to put it on the the, the kitchen floor of the world. Right. And we're hopefully, if we, if we do it right, we're going to throw away the pesto, the half a thing of pesto that's been in there for a year. We're going to throw away the, the takeout box that when you open it up and look in it, you can't remember ever having gone to that restaurant. We're going to take the five things of mustard and consolidate them in one thing of mustard. You don't need five, you know, like every time you go to the store, you think, oh, we need another thing of peanut butter. And then it's like, we have six things of peanut butter. You're going to take a spatula. You're going to put all the peanut butter in one peanut butter jar, stir it up and put it in there. Even though I don't keep peanut butter in the refrigerator, just using it as an example. Because the other day I took three or four things of peanut butter and combined them into one. And then at the end, you're going to open the refrigerator. You're going to look in there and you're going to be like, wow, if I could just live like this all the time. If I could just have a refrigerator like this, life would be so much easier. Look, it's like the cartons are all lined up square relative to one another. The refrigerator door is like a, it's like a stormtrooper utility belt. You just reach down and whatever you need, you got your tricorder there, you got your, <laughs> you know, your phaser, all that Star, Star Wars stuff, communicator. And, uh, and for a little while you believe like that, that you're never going to go back. You're never going to go back to five mustards. Mm 